0: Tiedelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors and industry experts. Diesel is an American-born Australian singer-songwriter and musician who has been releasing music since the late 80s. He has released material under the name Diesel. Johnny Diesel as leader of the band Johnny Diesel and the Injectors, and as a solo performer. Two of his albums reached number one on the Aria album charts, namely Help Fidelity in 1992, and The Lobbyist in 1993. Since 1987, Diesel has played on several albums by his brother-in-law, Australian rock singer Jimmy Barnes. Although better known as a singer-songwriter and guitarist, Diesel is also competent on bass guitar, drums, percussion, and keyboards. He has won six Aria Music Awards with three for Best Male Artists in 1993, 1994, and 1995. Up next on website, we've got Diesel. Where do we find you in the world? How are you doing and what's happening in your
1: life? Oh, thanks for having me, Barrett. Um, well, I'm in Sydney right now and um, spent a lot of time in the last couple of years uh, due to the pandemic, of course. What, what, what you're looking at right now, actually... Um, is my studio at, well, what you're looking at. Um, and I spent a lot of time in this room, um, made two albums of thankful for, um, having gone to Japan and LA recently and, um, yeah, open, world opened back up again. Yeah. Very grateful for that, but also really grateful for the time that I had making, uh, firstly the blues album mm. and, all the Lone With Blues, and then I started on Bootleg Melancholy only like a month or so after that. I'm, I feel like I started straight away, um, but there was like a little period where I kind of uh, got excited because it looked like we were going to be able to do some shows and everything, and that didn't happen. Um, and then I sort of came to the realisation, it was like, yeah, we're going to be in lockdown for a, l- a little bit longer. But um, that's when I have yeah, got really into the, the process of Bootleg Melancholy and um, just kind of... Lost myself in. I, uh, yeah, I guess what I'd kind of describe it as almost like armchair traveling because I, th- I started thinking about all the places that I'd lived in in the world and people that I've known. And it was like, wow, a, a nostalgic kind of thing that I I think uh, – it's not like I hadn't sat and thought about past experience and stuff before, but it just yep. felt way more vivid and and, and more intense because – we couldn't just go kind of like, hey, we're going to come over to London next week or, you know, see you in New York or, hey, do you want to go to Japan? It was just like, you know, we were really like, that's it. We weren't going anywhere. And, yeah, we were at a five-kilometre radius here. So it was a totally different feeling. And so I kind of had to make up – I made up a little world for myself up here every day and, and yeah, I just started writing songs about feelings and smells and and in places and new york was one of the places that i wrote about yeah it was just one i could tell it was going to be one of those albums kind of quite heavy in nostalgia um or nostalgic experiences but musically i i felt like i was really kind of pushing some things and going into some areas that i hadn't done before and maybe because i felt i uh, i guess i yeah it was like it was this kind of feeling like oh whatever you know it's the end of the world like who cares what people think or you know, like you know, it's just like opened me up a little bit and less I lost some some of my inhibitions a a bit a bit more mm. than I maybe have been in the past where I feel like I have to make an album that is sort of in some kind of like, you know, tradition so the fans don't get too freaked out or whatever. And yeah, ironically, you know, so far but you know, a lot of what my fans have been saying is so like this sounds like, you know, every Diesel album that I've ever listened to. It's great. We love it. Blah blah. blah. And it's like, okay, well, I thought, I thought it was the, you were going to think it was the weirdest thing you've ever listened to. <laughs> it's, it's strange. Yeah. You, yeah. You can't, you can't, you can never predict how that, how that's going to be accepted by, by the audience.
0: Why did you choose the alias Diesel? Where does that come from?
1: That's a, you know, a funny story because we were a band that would, was left over from, we were all in a band called Innocent Bystanders. Yeah. I was like, 16 17 when i joined and i met the main guy that ended up being the singer songwriter through the through the sunday paper and we became sort of like i was like 15 or something he was 21 and went over his house you know we figured out that we liked a lot of the same records and he he was like a kind of an older mentor for me at that time And i got in this band and it was like a bunch of weekend sort of warriors as they as they say i want the really sweet people drummer was a was a banker had two front people a male and a, and a female and he kind of went to one of the rehearsals and this is like my first kind of decent proper band i was i was 15 and my brother kind of came along and to the yep. audition and said, hey you know don't worry i'm 17 or not 18 or whatever he was and i've got a car i'll make sure he gets to the gigs Anyway, my, my, the guy that I met through the papers came to the rehearsal and saw this band and thought, hmm, I need a band. Um, this guy I know from, we've already been in cahoots together. Okay. So as soon as the two singers left that that evening, he kind of like just sort of took the band over and said, I'm going to make a new band. And everyone just went, okay. It was mutiny on the spot. Then over the next couple of years, he systematically kind of like weeded out the kind of people that weren't sort of, you know, pro I suppose mm-hmm. um, that's a really harsh word, and it turned into this band called Innocent Bystanders. And then one day, I, um, yeah, I was 19, I think, or 18, um, or just about to turn 19. Anyway, 18, 19. He just comes up, We come off stage after playing a gig in Perth, and and just says, "You're too loud. You're, you know, you're fired. You know, it's over. We're finished." Whatever the words were, and I was shocked. At the same time, I just thought, this is it, this is my this is my exit. This is my my kick up the ass that I need to kind of start doing things for myself. And the next day, I can't remember what happened that night, but I probably went and you know drowned my sorrow somewhere, or who knows, maybe I just yeah, went home and <laughs> went to bed. I can't remember. But the next day, I was probably feeling pretty, pretty shell-shocked, and the other guys in the band rang me up, and said let's start another band, you know, like, forget him. You start writing. You should sing because you already sing a couple of songs. And I'm like, really? Okay. And I was, it was the forcing point for me to kind of really start writing and, and doing my own thing. So we had we had a band. We had no name. We started playing one night a week. Yeah. Um, one, 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 weekend, one week, um, the woman that sort of booked the play said, you know, you guys are starting to – draw about three people and a cockroach, you know, (laughs) Uh, do you have a name? Um, it might help if you actually have a name because you're all pretty well known around town. This is what she was saying through this other band that you've been in. You guys have had success and everything, blah, 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 you know, trying to like encourage uh, us. And and I said, ah, yeah. And I'd heard someone make a joke about the bass player in our band, which his name was John Delzell and he liked to be called John. Yeah. And he goes, oh, you know, his wife had just fallen pregnant again because he was a lot older than us. He was, like, in his late 20s and having family already. And he said, oh, little Johnny and his, little Johnny Diesel and his injectors. And I thought, oh, that's cute. I'm on, sitting on the floor because I was sharing house with him and his wife at the time. And when she called back later in the day and said, so – what is it? Do you have a name? I want to put it in the paper. I said, Yeah, it's Johnny Diesel and the Injectors, and I, it was just to kind of humour our bass player, so we could show it to him, and, and he would go ha ha. And that's what happened. He went ha ha, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and then the next week came, and no one bothered to say to the to the to the woman like, Hey, um, take that out of the paper. You know, it's not really our name. And he just kept going and going. Yeah. At some point, I realised that people <clears throat> were looking at the stage, thinking that oh, I was John De- Johnny Diesel. It's like, yep. no, it's named the bass player so that's how it started and so we made a record when to say we the band um john the drummer who's like to be called yak but his name was actually john too so there was two johns in the band and here i am mark my name's not john and but i had to go along with it because people would like he's you know you're the singer in the middle of the band you must be johnny diesel so i just yeah i went along along with it because it was going to be I knew that it was going to be easier than explaining to every single person that it wasn't me. So it was just kind of like, yeah, sure, whatever. It's Johnny Diesel and the Injectors. Yeah, I'm that guy in the middle of the stage. Well, that that went incredibly well. One album, um, highest debut, you know, selling or whatever, for by an Australian artist of all time when it came out and blah, blah, blah. And we toured the world, you know, um, four four times, I think it was. And yeah, and then when it came time to making album number two you know i just i didn't feel it and i i just wanted to go solo and that's when i decided you know what am i going to do with i'll keep the diesel because that way it's there's recognition i will know it's you know this okay it's that guy but it's not the name of a band per se it's really just the name of the project and yeah i've I've been that ever since except for one album i made in new york when i signed to a, a label in america and they were freaking out about the clothing label um yeah, they were launching really heavy in America that year and putting big billboards up and everything. And I, I was already aware of them and it was like, yeah, we've got them in Australia and they don't care. They're fine, you know, different things. It's like not a problem, but they they were really freaked out about it. And I could tell it was going to be a concern so much that we hadn't put the record out yet and I could tell they were going to get concerned and it was going to hinder the project. So I said, look, how about I just call my, the album under my own name? And they were like, that's great. Perfect, perfect solution. And, yeah, of course, the people that knew me around the world, especially back here in Australia, were like, what's that? They just, you know, it confused them completely. Yeah. Silly as it sounds, um, it's like, you know, Elvis Costello made one record under his own name as well, Declan McManus, and similar sort of thing. You know, like people probably looked at it and went, who's that, you know, to some degree. So it's what they call in the advertising world, branding. Yes, yes, yes. I got a lesson in branding. But that, that's that's how I ended up with Diesel. It's it's like people always want to know. It's like how did you end up with that? It's like well, it's the leftovers of a band name that was actually a nickname, who well, was never even intended for me. So there you go. So you left the band and then you carried on being as a recording as a
0: solo artist for a number of years, a couple of decades. So what keeps you going? You there was COVID obviously and it invigorated you with your songwriting. But what's the thing that says, okay, I've been doing this for so many years. I want to create more music. I want to create another album. I
1: want to be back on stage. What is that motivation for you? I think it's, a, you know, there's obviously that that little addiction that that I have to that moment of when you make something and it just gives you the goosebumps. And yeah, it's just that feeling of like, there's nothing like it. There's nothing that, that can sort of feel like that, that, Moment it happens in the middle of the night, you know. I'll will be woken up with a lyric. I'll be woken up with a melody or something. It is until that that stops. I just I'll keep following it. I'm am just I feel like I'm just a humble like servant. It's kind of like the music that's just around all the time. Really, it's it's there. It's just you know it's in the ether. You just have to tune into it. That's how yeah. that's how it feels to me. So yeah, I, I you know it's it's a process that I that i really enjoy and there's not it's not without some kind of toiling kind of that sometimes i just go oh god you know why did i start this you know i feel i've got so much to do never going to get finished it's just like oh you know there's always that feeling with every record that i make especially i take on a lot and i'm you know i'm going to I'm not going to lie, you know, like I, I bring it on myself by playing all the instruments and mixing it and engineering it. Like, you know, I could get people in, well, in this case, I, in the last couple of albums, I actually couldn't because yeah. I don't even allow people in our house. But I've, I've actually made those choices even when we weren't in lockdown. I, 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 I really enjoy the lonely um, burning of the midnight oil, as they say. You know, it just, there's something really, things I find things out about myself. Um, it's indulgent, probably. Someone would some would say, I guess. But ultimately, when I when I get to share it with people, it's 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 just yeah, it's a beautiful exp- kind of end to the story of like, oh wow, that started out as this little in joke with myself, and now, you know, it's it, it's potentially any- anywhere, and you know, as much as I still love physical records and any format that's physical for that matter, cassette, you know, CD <laughs> album. <laughs> When the when the streaming thing really kicked in, it was just it, the idea that anyone at any time of the day could be streaming, you know, one of my songs is is really exciting, you know, anywhere in the world for that matter. It's that kind of like really just exploded it to to beyond any you, you know your realm of you know where are the boundaries? Where yes, so it's interesting you brought that up. So I love me a CD. I
0: still I still budget for a CD every every while. For me, it's a thank you to you guys for all the hard work that you put in. I love the journey of choosing. Okay, cool. I'm going to get this one. I'm going to choose that one. The unpackaging, the artwork, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not sure if you wear albums, CDs, cassettes, are all huge, make, making a huge comeback. CDs had the first growth in 20 years. Albums, 5.5 million right. sales in the UK last year, the biggest since 1990 and so forth. It's growing again. So. You've already mentioned that you love both, and there's also the digital platforms which have allowed you to grow beyond your boundaries. Any other thoughts around this topic?
1: Um, it's 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 a very you know controversial sort of thing because I, I you know I, at the very same time I think I think there could be a better system of of the royalty systems for artists. I, I understand that I've been told it's all about how much stuff in the content and blah blah yeah. blah. You can't make you know album every eighteen months. It's like yeah. well. I I don't do that I, I, but I it's still I still think that with subscription and it, it could be just a, a little bit more maybe you know instead of a shaving of a penny just like maybe a, an actual tangible amount of the penny like something mm-hmm. that you could actually see um, if you were to take a penny and slice it up into pieces you could actually go, <laughs> that's oh, that's my piece of the penny at the moment. it's like... Yes. You know, at the, this, I like to use a, a visual analogy. At the moment, it's like if you took the penny and rubbed it up against a cement wall yep. and then got a mic- microscope and looked at yes. the cement wall and saw the, the residue of penny on the wall, that's what <laughs> yes. we're getting, I think. So, yeah, I, that's, that's what I'd like to see. It's just maybe just like one, a slither of the penny. A slither more, okay. Because what do you enjoy about performing live? I love the fact that, it's kind of, I call it musical ice ice sculptures because, you know, people, you go go walk into a building and you'll see this ice sculpture and it's just like gobsmacking and you go, oh my God, someone made that. And then come back two hours later, and it's just a puddle of water. And that's what, when you're making music in a room, it's like a musical ice ice sculpture. You make it and then come back a few hours later, all the people are gone and it's just like bits of gaffer tape on the stage. It's just something happened here it's always a, a strange feeling even um, to this very day after I've done thousands of shows, you know, I'll, you know, do my thing. People have a standing ovation, you know, I go back to the, get in my dressing room, get out of my wet clothes, go back onto the stage. It's empty. Um, the gear is getting packed up. It's always just kind of like, Oh, did it, you know, did that actually really happen? You know, it's yeah.
0: just,
1: yep, and it's now it's time to get that shit out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like smack, you know, and that's it's always kind of like returning to the scene of the crime. But there's something really beautiful about that. And on, on that note, I've found it and I've commented on it many times where when you do the same place for multiple nights in a row, it's really challenging because it's, it's a lot easier mentally to kind of burn a place down, you know, just torch it, and then you leave and then go on to the next one. But when you come back to the same place... And you go, Oh, I've got to do it all again. It's a mental thing that that I well I have. It's like it shouldn't matter because it's like different people, different night, different temperature. Yeah. But you're in the same place and it sort of it always kind of bugs me out a little bit. It's like I've got to do this again. I've got to be even better than I was right here last night. Yeah. If I move the whole thing to a different place it changes the goalposts it suddenly it's it's it seems mentally easier to be my best but when i have to be like the, the same best in the same place crazy it's really crazy but i mean i always think like well you know you have to suck it up because because think about people that do theater they do the same in the same place yep. for like months and months on end so mentally like you can't be like that because you know, like they've they've got a total handicap if that's the case. <laughs> and they they seem to be able to get over it. I'd actually I've never spoken to I'm gonna have to speak to now that I've that I've brought it up. Yeah, I'm gonna ask one of my active friends how if that spooks them out like the like the first night. It's like you have to make it like the first night every time, you know. Yeah. That that's what still inspires me, I guess, is the fact that you walk into a room, there's nothing, you know, and you make all this music you fill up the air with, with music and then, mm. you know, it's it, stuff that wasn't there before and you make it on the spot. It's it's not just like I'm going to push some buttons and, and you know, like turn it on. You have to make it like from nothing. I love the pictures that
0: you create. They're they, so beautiful, the visuals, you know, the ice sculpture and, and it, the queen on the wall. Uh, you're a very visual person. Are, are you planning to
1: uh, are more tours coming up? Yeah, look, I'm going to do this thing called the Forever Tour. Mm. And we get to play like the Opera House in Sydney and the Athenaeum um, in Melbourne and the Tivoli, all really, really nice rooms across the country. Perth and um, Adelaide, um, I haven't gone that way west, not as far as, as South Africa, but I like, yeah. haven't gone that way for quite a, for quite a while. Because I, I grew up in WA and mentally I always used to think across the water when I'd be swimming in the ocean it was like the closest thing that way is Africa. It's like literally, well, be, besides the Seychelles, yes. a few islands, but it's basically uh, Africa that way. <laughs> are you planning, when are you planning to come to South Africa? I would love to come. I would love to come. I I got to know so many South Africans living in New York. Um, ones that I'm still really good friends with um, more, more than I'd ever known in my life. They were like, and for some reason they'd sort of it was just like, "Oh, you were from Australia oh, yeah so like they' it just this infinity straight away mm. we, all, we We figured out that we knew a lot of the same music, you know, things like Rodriguez, of course, yes um, they, you know, john john, uh, john paul young they they know more Australian artists than um, a lot of Canadians, even, and Canadians seem to know Australian music more than Americans South african um music. Kind of knowledge is is yeah like it's it's like an extension of australia to a large degree yep. so i need to get my my ass over there so w-
0: so when you come through uh i'll be cheering you on and then we'll go for coffee to chat more But I love this next game. And you mentioned music and artists and different things. I know if I had to ask you this question in two days, two hours, two minutes, I know your answer will be different every time. I recognize that and I understand that because there are millions of them. But if you had to push play to five songs by other artists, once we finish this conversation, what would those five songs be and by whom?
1: Oh, boy. Okay. Um, I would have to start with Between the Bars by Elliot Smith. Far, 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 Sad Song by Otis Reddy. Inner Visions by Stevie Wonder. Yeah, All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. That's a masterpiece. And um, Girl from the North by Bob Dylan.
0: Brilliant list. Something to add to my playlist. So the podcast is listened to throughout the world. So
1: as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? I would love to say that yeah music is yeah music is medicine and yeah never underestimate the power of it i th- i look at it as as medicinal and um yeah i'm 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 blessed and grateful that i get to make few people feel better and yeah i hope i get to give the healing powers of it to, to all of everybody listening at some point <laughs>